our reading today that we're going to start off with comes from the book of Acts. comes from chapter 2. I'm starting in verse 42 through the end of the chapter. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. Awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. So, I read this really frustrating book last summer. After months of quarantine and lockdown, my wife, Alyssa, and I needed just to get away for a couple days. So we went camping at Great Smoky Mountains National Park, and I was thinking that this would be a nice little spiritual retreat for me. So I brought along the newest book by one of my favorite spiritual writers, Rowan Williams. He had just written a book called The Way of St. Benedict. So I was thinking, oh, I'm going to go out in the woods, I'm going to read and practice Benedictine spirituality as this little spiritual boot camp for me while I'm out of town and off the grid. But the book challenged me in ways I didn't expect. It talks so much about honesty and accountability and peacefulness and getting along with other people. I felt like I was reading on a, hand, a handbook on how to like be a decent person person in community, but I had gone out into the woods to get away from people, not to think about how to best get along with those people that I was trying to get away from for a couple days. At the end of each chapter, I kept on wondering, when is Rowan Williams going to get to the point? When is he going to start talking about me and God as a part of my spirituality? Then about two-thirds of the way through the book, it clicked for me that Williams had been talking about Christian practices and about growing in faith with God the whole time, just not in ways that I expected. Because the point was, if you can't stand the people you're around and you want nothing to do with them, you're making it harder to find God around you. And if you're writing off people as annoying, as dumb, as having bad political ideas and making it harder to find God around you. Those people around you are windows to God that we are graced with every day. So just over a week ago, I got back from a friend's wedding. It was actually a destination wedding, and it was in St. Lucia, which is in the Southern Caribbean. It was a great time. In case you're wondering, highly recommend destination weddings. And this also was the first time I'd been on a plane in well over a year. And I'd been asked by a number of friends, how was your experience flying and traveling? And, and since I'd been vaccinated, I felt safe flying. That, was, that part of it was fine. But I noticed that like before COVID, 
there's a lot about traveling and flying that's just kind of annoying. You know, being constantly surrounded by people that are obliviously inconsiderate. Let's let's be honest. Other people can be frustrating, be it how they get on and off a plane or how they drive or how they are or are not wearing their mask, just countless other little things. And so with this in mind, there's something just surreal and hard to make sense of in today's scripture from Acts 2, where the early church shared everything and seemingly just got along. But then again, there's temptation in the church to view the past with nostalgia. Back when Christianity had a greater influence on society, when the pews were full every Sunday and there was more in the youth group, or even just back before COVID. So there's a temptation to hear today's story as just another example of Christians remembering the past with rose-colored glasses. Maybe back in the good old days, Christians were nicer and more generous, and everything was good and peachy, and people were joining every day. Spoiler alert, so I'm not going to wreck your sermon next week, Greg, but things weren't always perfect in the early church. You don't believe me? Come back next week. Pastor Greg has this story in Acts about Christian hoarders. But nevertheless, today sounds like church is so nice. What do we do with this oh-so-sunny picture of the early church? This is our second week in our preaching series on the book of Acts. And while each sermon stands alone from week to week, you'll get more out of the messages if you hear each one because they build on each other and they interlock with what was said and what will be said. So that's a really fancy sales pitch for way of saying, remember what Pastor Greg said last week about how uh, the story of Pentecost, the Spirit descended like fire on people's heads and made all the difference. Today's story comes immediately after last week's scripture. This is an elaboration of how, indeed, the Holy Spirit does make all the difference. Today's story speaks about what life and the Spirit looks like. I love how theologian Willie Jennings explains this when he wrote a commentary on the book of Acts. He says, in today's story, the real questions are not whether this holy communalism, this sacred sociality could be practical, either in the ancient world or in any world, but what it must have felt like to feel the powerful pull of the life of our Savior and what energy it must have taken to slow down this pull enough to withhold themselves and their possessions from this divine desire. So we worship a God whose Spirit holds all things together and binds us together. So life in the Spirit, then, is a life where we're being pulled by God out of our routines, out of our self-interest, out of our stuff, into a different way of going through our day. 
Last Sunday was the final confirmation class of the program year. And I was sitting in the fellowship hall about 10 minutes before confirmation began, waiting for the confirmation students to arrive. It was the first Sunday where we'd had in-building confirmation without masks on in quite some time. So I was not quite sure how this was all going to go. The first student entered confirma the confirmation room about eight minutes before class began. Seeing he had his mask on, I was prepared to tell him, okay, if you've been vaccinated, you don't have to wear your mask. Give the little elevator speech. So, but it just came out like, have you been vaccinated? And he said no and kept his mask on and sat there. That was the whole interaction. Honestly, I don't even know if he remembers it, but it really struck me. It would have been so easy for the student to say, yeah, 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 I've got my vaccine, take his mask off, but he chose honesty. And so regardless of what, how you feel about vaccines or mask mandates, this honesty here is a fruit of the sort of community that the Spirit is pulling us into. The Spirit reshapes us, summons the best from us, and binds us to one another in community. In a world where dishonesty and selfishness are widespread, and I was well aware of that while in the airport just over a week ago, this church, the church, is a community where truthfulness and care for one another reign. While I've heard many a person say that, this, that the story of the early church that we heard today sounds a lot like communism because everyone shared everything, such a reading misses the point altogether. There's no enforced sharing going on here. It's done freely. Let's go back to Jennings one more time. He says, in today's story, we see a holy wind blowing through structured and settled ways of living and possessing and pulling things apart. People caught up in the love of God not only began to give thanks for their daily bread, but daily offered to God whatever they had that might speak that gracious love to others. What is far more dangerous than any plan of shared wealth or fair distribution of goods and services, a God who dares on us, divine love. So in today's story, life in the Spirit is a life of love. We're not forced to love. We're free to live as we wish. But in a time where our society is in such heated disagreement, and so many politicians and media figures make a career out of stirring up conflict, the church bears powerful witness to an alternative. God's alternative shows us a world where we love and care for each other, not only because we must, but because we're filled with God's loving spirit. I hate to say it, but no matter whether it's COVID or elections or whatever comes next, there's always going to be a wedge issue in our society. 
These issues cannot be totally left at the door when we show up to church. But these sort of divisions, these sort of wedges are not more powerful than the Holy Spirit that binds us to God and to one another. Nothing is more powerful than God's love. Nothing is more revolutionary than God's love. A love that is forming us into a community that lives for more than just our own gain. The Spirit shapes us and blows us to live for the good of those around us. Life in the Spirit is a life of love. It is the life to which we are called to live. It is the life that Spirit empowers us to live. Friends, that's our called life together as atonement and as Christians. So friends, let us continue living this spirit-infused love together. Amen.